From WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Charlie Herman. Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross is one of the leading figures negotiating trade deals for the Trump administration. On Wednesday, he defended its policies on tariffs to the Senate Finance Committee. The tariff actions taken by the president are necessary to revive America's essential steel and aluminum industries. At the same time, Forbes reported that for most of last year, the former businessman still had ties to companies that could be directly affected by decisions he was at the center of negotiating, particularly in China. This despite telling the Federal Ethics Office that he would divest from most of his business assets and telling senators during his confirmation hearing nearly a year and a half ago that he would do his utmost to avoid a conflict of interest. I intend to be quite scrupulous about recusal and any topic where there's the slightest scintilla of doubt. With me is Dan Alexander, who reported this story for Forbes. And Dan, before he became Commerce Secretary, who was Wilbur Ross? Originally, he was, you know, a kid from Weehawken, New Jersey, who had a judge for a dad and a teacher for a mom and was really, really bright and, you know, went to Harvard and Yale and grew up in Rothschild, the investment bank, and was helping people when there were bankruptcies, helping people divide up assets. This is really complicated stuff. And by all accounts, Wilbur Ross is incredibly smart. Then he took his expertise that he had there. And at the time when most people retire, he said, you know what, I'm going to have a go of it and I'm going to start my own shop. So he started his own private equity firm. And he was an enormous success right away. Made several hundred million dollars, uh, especially in the steel industry. Then his luck sort of ran out and his funds have not been performing as well. But he's still you know, had this image of this sort of legendary investor. So Wilbur Ross is worth at least millions. Then he is appointed to uh, the cabinet. He has to go through a Senate confirmation hearings. How did that go? Wilbur Ross stood out as somebody who seemed to be perfect for the job. And they specifically did ask him about his fortune and his assets and things that he was planning on holding on to. And in those responses, he was very, very clear So he said that he would divest from almost everything. There were a couple of assets that he said that he would hang on to. And to divest means to sell or to give things away. And what's interesting about this is that he actually did that. Most of these interests that we have been examining over the last month, he sold part of the interest to some funds managed by Goldman Sachs. And then with the other part of the the interests, he gave them to a trust, which he told me was for members of his family. What's remarkable is that if you're an 80-year-old guy who presumably is, you know, toward the end of his career, you can just dump tons of assets into trusts for your family members, and then the federal government declares that you no longer have a conflict of interest. Is that a conflict of interest? I think to a layman it is. To the federal ethics office, it is not. So he did divest himself then from his businesses, is what you're saying? Correct. He divested himself from his businesses eventually. There was at one point when he told the federal government that he had divested himself from the businesses. And at the point that he told them that he had divested, he had actually not. It's a federal crime to lie to ethics officials. And in that instance, it's uh, clear that he made false statements, namely that Ross continued to own shares of some companies that he had promised to divest after he said that he had already divested them. He claims that he just didn't realize that he owned them. Even for a guy as rich as Wilbur Ross, that's hard to believe. It was at least $10 million. You know, they disclose things in big ranges in the ethics office. So it was somewhere uh, between $10 million and $50 million. What kind of government business is Ross doing with Russia, with Putin, with China? 
first of all, let me say that Ross is not a typical Commerce Secretary. So most Commerce Secretaries are not very prominent people in administrations. Wilbur Ross is an exception to that. And Donald Trump made it very clear early on that Wilbur Ross was going to play a prominent role. So part of what that means is that he's sort of been the top general, if you will, in the trade war with China and in negotiating other trade deals. Now, the reason that that's significant is because for most of 2017, while he was negotiating things with China, Wilbur Ross owned interests alongside the government of China. He was business partners with them. Then once he technically divested, he apparently gave some of those interests over to his family. So he continued to negotiate trade relations with China, apparently knowing that his family held interests which were alongside the government of China. If you look at Russia, so in the same way, they're you know constantly working on trade negotiations with Russia. And meanwhile, he, during most of 2017, after he divested his family, appears to have owned interests aligned with Russians and Russia. Did you find any instances that uh, decisions that were being made by the Commerce Department as it relates to tariffs or negotiations with China, Russia, could actually benefit him as well? What you have to wonder, and you know, if you're a uh, person who really supports tariffs and that sort of thing, is okay. So, how does Wilbur Ross influence that at all? You know, maybe they were really hardline, and now they're pretty hardline. You just don't quite know. And the difference with this administration is that there are a lot of instances in which we don't quite know, where you have to wonder because there are overlapping business interests and policy interests. One of the ones that really stands out to me is he had an interest in a company called International Automotive Components Group. International Automotive Components Group makes car parts. And in September of 2017, which was right around the time that Wilbur Ross was traveling to Asia and negotiating trade deals with the Chinese government, the funds that he used to be a part of and at the time still had an interest in closed the joint venture with a state-owned Chinese company called Shanghai Shenda. As part of that joint venture, Ross's company took a 30% interest in the company and the state-owned business paid the funds $300 million in cash. And so you have that sort of influx of money coming in. And meanwhile, you have the guy negotiating policy. And again, we don't know if there was anything untoward in terms of, you know, was Ross doing any quid pro quo or anything like that. I I don't want to make any suggestion of that sort whatsoever. But the problem is, is that you have to wonder. And usually we don't allow people to hold interests in which the public is left wondering. Dan, thank you very much. Thank you. Dan Alexander is a reporter with Forbes. His story is Lies, China, and Putin, Solving the Mystery of Wilbur Ross's Missing Fortune. If you want to hear more of our conversation, you can hear a longer version on Trump, Inc. You can find it at trumpinc.org. I'm Charlie Herman. This is Money Talking from WNYC. 